Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, thanks for uh, joining me for episode 71. I have a friend joining me today as well, my friend Christine Chapel, who is a writer, podcaster, speaker, is with me. So this past week, uh, we recognized World Mental Health Day. It was on October 10th. And so it just feels really fitting to have Christine on the show because she has just released a book that is related to this topic. And so first of all, I just want to say congratulations, Christine, on the release of this book. And thank you so much for taking time to share your wisdom with me and um, all these All Things listeners out there. Hey there, Jen. Thank you so much for that. And thanks for inviting me to be on the show today. I really appreciate it. So can you just start by telling us your story, Christine? Tell the All Things listeners who you are, what you write about, speak about, podcast about, and why. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Christine, and I um, actually today is my husband. Um, It's our 18th anniversary. We were married on October 12th, 18 years ago. Yes. And so, yes, I've been... to you too. Thank you. (laughs) We have been married for 18 years. We have three children, um, a 15-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 7-year-old. We live in South Carolina, which we love. Um, I am the outreach director for the Institute of Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. And also the podcast host for their show there, the Hope and Help podcast, where we have biblical conversations about life's challenging problems, um, very similar to you know some of the conversations you host on, on your show as well. And um, in terms of what I write about most often, uh, when I do have time to write, I'm writing about issues related to depression, sorrow, grief, um, and then even what we're talking about today, um, which is being labeled with a mental disorder. So I, and that's the reason being, because that's my story, right? As you said, um, to share a bit of my story, I mean, this is my, my lived experience, um, going through these various issues, um, in addition to struggles with self-harm, suicidal thinking, um, just a bunch of really difficult, um, challenges that would be, you know, kind of fit into um, the mental health category that um, we're talking about. And so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm just happy to be able to share and steward really the comfort that God has given me in my distress for the purposes of comforting others, you know, with that same comfort and just helping people to um, hear what God would say to them, you know, in their moments of trouble with these particular issues. So that's the heart of my ministry. It's why I do my podcast. It's why I write what I do, um, because God really does meet us in those moments. And his word does speak into those challenges in really profound, life-transforming ways. Yeah, I love that. And I I just want to pause right here and just say, you know, thank you for stewarding your life in that way. You know, all that we have is from the Lord and for the Lord. And I love that you have a heart to um, share your experience with others, recognizing that it's not your own, that it's one to be stewarded for God's glory and to and to love your neighbor. Um, and I know that that requires no small amount of just bravery and encouragement from the Lord, like empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And it's a leap of faith, um, but it really benefits the church. And I want to thank yeah. you for that. 
um, as you know, I've like, you've been in ministry for a long time and women's ministry an active member of my church, various local churches around the world. And I, um, I am confronted all the time with just mental health questions and concerns and, and need for care, whether it's in my own family or amongst friends or in my church community. Um, mental health is just a daily theme, reality requirement for some level of, you know, leaning in to somebody's life somehow, some way. But I do feel like oftentimes in the church, especially we are, we're ill-equipped or it feels taboo or mm-hmm. it just feels like, oh, that's too much for me. Like I can't possibly even have this conversation with my friend who's despairing because I am not a professional with a number of letters behind my name. Um, and so I just, I also appreciate you going here because you've written this book, which is small and accessible. And, um, I've read it and it's, you know, in layman's terms, it's, it's, it's accessible to any of us. And I love the title too, you know, help (laughs) exclamation point. I've been diagnosed with a mental disorder. Um, and so you really are, you're offering help and hope to all of us. And I so appreciate that. Can you tell us what is a mental disorder? It's right there in your title. Um, but there's so many labels that we throw around. What is a mental disorder, Christine? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's helpful just to point out that obviously this is a, a world term. You know, we don't see the term mental disorder in the scriptures. But but that being said, you know, I think it's also important to, to just before we even dive into this conversation, to recognize that, you know, I, I appreciate what you said in terms of like be in the church kind of feeling ill-equipped to address these matters, you know, but I think if, and I've been learning recently kind of a little bit about church history and soul care. And, you know, I just want to encourage listeners that even though the terminology from psychiatry is relatively new, the problems that psychiatry is seeking to describe with labels and, and all of that, I mean, this, the symptoms and the human experience is not new. You know, this, the scriptures tell us that there's nothing new under the sun, you know, and so maybe over the last 60 years or so, we have, um, you know, maybe as a church shied away from speaking into these issues because we have, as a culture, been conditioned to believe that this is something that the experts need to address. This is something that medicine only needs to address. And so I think it's just important to kind of bring that perspective back into um, into the realm of our faith, because what, what we're talking about today even though for us may feel like this is this is something that you know the church is not able to speak into i just want to this mini book is trying to i guess in one way making a case for no 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 god's word spoken to these experiences long before any of us were even alive mm-hmm. you know i mean so let's just first kind of reorient ourselves yeah. in that way and just recognize that for what it is when we talk about this term and there's so much more that could be said and and i'm not you know here to have that discussion but um so ha- having said that the DSM-5 is what psychiatrists use as their, you know, quote unquote Bible. Um, They affectionately reference it. Um, And it's a huge book, the um, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. uh, 
of uh, mental disorders and it has hundreds of different labels in it. And so very cumbersome and I don't overwhelm the reader with all that information, but I do <laughs> point out in the mini book, just a simple description or definition of what they offer in that manual. Um, so from the world's perspective um, or from their, you know, a psychiatric perspective, um, they classify a mental disorder and don't tune out listener as I read this because it's technical and jargon and mm-hmm. can get a little boring, but they say that it is a syndrome. So a mental disorder is a syndrome characterized by clinically significant disturbance in an individual's cognition, emotion, regulation, or behavior that reflects a dysfunction in the psychological, biological, or developmental processes underlying mental function. And that is a mouthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it takes uh, takes a minute probably to digest, you know, what I've just said. But I think the key words standing out to that is cognition, emotion, regulation, and behavior. Um, so, you know, in summary, there's something about the person's ability, you know, thinking ability, emotions, behaviors um, that seems to be presenting a dysfunction in their everyday life. Um, and the cause of which um, is not always clear. Mm-hmm. And so they make that very vague, <laughs> that very vague analysis there in the definition. Um, does that, does that, is that helpful? Yeah, that helps. I mean, <laughs> what I'm hearing you saying is it's really broad. Right. And I mean, it almost feels like something that could catch all of us, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like right. it's a net that we can all easily fall into because depending right. on season of life, what's going on, circumstances, our own just well-being and what's happening, you know, with us, um, cognition, emotion, behavior, all those things um, can right. be not optimal <laughs> on right. any given day. So right. It's broad and vague. It is very, very broad and vague. Um, Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right, which is why, you know, when we see even now trends of people, um, I think I have a statistic in the book that says, like, according to some study, and I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but, you know, one in four adults Mm -hmm. qualify to be diagnosed with a mental disorder. Um, and so does that tell us something about the pervasiveness of the issues or does that tell us something about the broadness um, under which we are just trying to classify various problems? Again, I, I'm not trained enough to have a super intelligent conversation on that, but um, I do appreciate you pointing that out as it's not necessarily a, a helpful definition in helping us to understand what's going on, but it's a start. So we can appreciate that and and then, um, you know, build, build from it. Yeah. It's like such a tension. I feel in so many areas, awareness is raised, which is good, right? We just had Mm -hmm. world mental health day. So awareness is raised and people, um, I think have their eyes opened to, and maybe we're made more sensitive as -hmm. we are made more aware of just various struggles and difficulties that are, that we're all facing all the time. And that's so good, but Mm -hmm. then it can be so overwhelming, right? Then it can also be paralyzing because you feel like if you use a word like mental health disorder, it's like, well, now I've got to be a doctor to lean into this person's life or to Mm -hmm. feel like I'm capable of even caring for my own soul. So it's just, it's a, as you've said, it's nuanced, it's complex and it's tricky, but, um, and I think, you know, going back to your book, it's accessible. And so while the, there these terms are so clinical and feel so professional, um, as humans made in the image of God, who has given us His Word and His Spirit, 
and an ability to love and care for others and steward our lives as well in a community of other believers as well. Like we can, we don't have to be afraid. We can have these conversations and we can go there. So let's do that. Um, I love the introduction to your book. It really, you know, it really drew me in. Um, I loved how you sort of posed some questions to the readers. You say to the reader, perhaps you're asking yourself the same kinds of questions I did. And then you listed out some questions, um, you know, that you were asking yourself a lot as you have, you know, gone through your own mental health journey and, and the questions were so good. So I just want to ask you a couple because as, <laughs> as I read them on the page, I'm like, yes, Christine, let's sit down and talk about this right now. Right. Um, but the first first thing you said was, does this diagnosis define my identity? Can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, and I really neglected to say probably what would have been the most obvious piece of information in introducing my story was that uh, I have been previously diagnosed or labeled with a number of various um, disorders. And the most recent one, um, which, you know, by God's grace is no longer something that is a part of my life, but really was the catalyst for, for everything in my life to change. I feel like God used it and redeemed that experience of diagnosis, um, to completely change me as, um, as a woman, as a mother, uh, and as a follower of Christ. And so that label was um, of bipolar disorder too. And so when I first got that label, um, you know, the symptoms I was experiencing, the doctors uh, looked at my history and, you know, a couple decades of going through, cycling through despair and depression and um, some of the, at that time, the newer symptoms I was experiencing um, you know, they, they put me into that category of bipolar disorder too. And so when I got that label, I really had to wrestle with that question. Does this define my identity? Because we know in it's commonplace in these conversations to hear people talk about their disorder label as, as if it is the sum of all of their parts. And so an example would be I'm bipolar, I'm ADHD, I'm OCD and, and all of those things. And now, um, and so I, I, I try to go into that in the book and um, offer a, a biblical perspective on our identity um, in terms of just how God comforted me with that question. Because the, the problem is, is that when we believe and kind of take on that perspective of my label is now defining who I am, that threatens to really bleed into our everyday experiences of how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive our world, how other people perceive us. It's not just a problem that we have, but now that we have been you know, given a label, it is true that our friends and our family will also be tempted to view us in that light primarily. Um, and that's my experience. And I know that others have wrestled with that as well, which is where that kind of stigma and shame feels like, it's like, mm. oh no, now everyone knows and I feel unclean. Mm. That was a feeling I had to wrestle with is this, this uncleanliness. Um, I'm different. Mm. I'm standing out now. People know at, that I've, I'm quote unquote disordered. And so it's, it's a huge challenge. Um, and so it, uh, part of what I try to talk about in the book is, okay, how, what does God say about who I am, even in the midst of this? You know, if I'm given a diagnosis of cancer or diabetes, does that, is that all definitive of, of who I am before God and God's family? Does this dictate my destiny? 
Um, you know, and so you have to wrestle with these questions. And as we do in the scriptures, what I share in the book is that, no, you know, God does not view you, if you have been given a label, as disordered, right? Mm-hmm. And Christ, his spirit, testifies to us that we are children of God. And that primary identity is meant to then inform the way we are viewing this problem, inform the way that we are viewing this label, inform the way how we respond to the symptoms when they come, right? Instead of feeling like we're in bondage to the label, and now I can only ever respond in a way that is uh, that fits within, you know, the labels framework. And so it's a whole perspective shift. And I think when we are not um, when we don't recognize it, it can be really, really hurtful and detrimental to us. But I think when we do root and um, the spirit helps to testify to our hearts that no, no, no. No, no, no. We are going through this situation and these experiences as a child of God and that none of God's commitments or promises to you in Christ have changed. Your destiny has not changed. This is not determinative of what your destiny is going to look like. We know that this life is not all there is. We know that God is still writing our story. And then all of a sudden that offers a glimmer of hope, right? This is not the end of us. It's part of a hard story but it's not the end of the story. Yeah, that's so good. I love a phrase that you use a few times in the book, stabilizing biblical truths. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that a diagnosis of any kind is anything but stabilizing, right? It's a chaotic, swirling storm. Up feels down, down feels up. Tomorrow feels uncertain, um, let alone a week, a year, a decade from now. So that's really, I just, so it's so helpful. It's stabilizing biblical truths. And I'm thinking of just dear ones in my life who are probably soaking up what you're saying right now in terms of identity, that they are not, their diagnosis is not the sum of who they are, but they are a child of God. Christine, what have you found to be helpful practices to remember that? Um, I feel like the diagnosis is so loud and the way we view it um, in culture and even with our flesh feels so loud. Mm-hmm. So how does one return to stabilizing biblical truths? What were some, how did you remind yourself of truth or how do you mm-hmm. currently remind yourself of truth when half truths or untruths feel really overwhelming? Right. Well, I think that in any context is what it means to grow as a Christian in any context, not even in what we're talking about today, in any Mm. problem, in any trial, in any struggle against suffering or sin, is that constant battle. How do I remember, right? We're a lot easier. We're a lot better at forgetting our Mm -hmm. identity than we are at remembering, right? We need God's help. We need that Holy Spirit testimony. And so, you know, a couple of quick ways how we continue um, to grow in that is, I mean, primarily when you are in this situation, you need the counsel and encouragement of other believers to speak biblical truths to you that maybe in the moment seem distant or seem like not relevant. Um, I just want to, you know, remind all of us that our identity in Christ is not an irrelevant religious slogan. Like mm-hmm. it, it truly, truly means everything 
to our everyday life. You know, it gives us a whole other perspective on this world and all of the pain and brokenness that we're, we're going through. Um, because, you know, I read in the book by Elizabeth Elliot, Suffering is Never for Nothing. I loved what she did there. And she, she pointed out the fact that in this life, there are terrible truths, terrible truths, terrible realities. You turn on the news, you see it. But for some of us, we don't need to turn on the news. We just look in our hearts. We look at our problems. We look in our, under our roofs and we see, I, I, I don't forget what's going out in the world on Mm -hmm. in the world. There's terrible truths happening in my home, in my, in my own spirit. Right. But then we have as children of God, this other perspective of wonderful facts, she says, So there are terrible truths, but there are in Christ wonderful facts, and they're both true, right? But one is eternal, and one Mm. has an expiration date. The terrible truths are going to expire. The wonderful facts of who we are in Christ offer us the perspective of another kingdom, of another life, of another reality. And so when we have been labeled with a mental disorder, these are the types of, of encouragements that we need specifically pulled out from God's word, ministered to our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through conversations with other people who maybe in that moment believe it more than we do. It's like a borrowed faith, you know? And honestly, and I don't know if you can relate to this, Jen, right before I was hospitalized and diagnosed with this particular label, there was a dear friend of mine who agreed to meet with me on a a few different times And I felt like God was so distant, I couldn't even pray for myself. It was like the worst feeling to be a Christian and to go through a season where you you don't understand how it could even be possible Mm -hmm. to feel like God has abandoned you because you know it's not true, but your experience of that truth suggests otherwise. And, And I looked at her and she was speaking with such conviction. And I was like, you know, I can believe her faith right now. Yeah. I, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say that the Christ in the heart of our brother is stronger than the Christ in our own hearts sometimes. Mm. And in those moments, that's where Christian community, and I know you've talked about that before, it comes into play, why it's so yeah. important. So I'm sorry I'm blabbering on this point, but no, um, I this is, to this, all day. <laughs> this is not something we can do by ourselves. And, and we'll talk mm-hmm. more about that kind of, I got to I got to fix this. You know, I got to fix this, but we have to humble ourselves, humble ourselves to share what it is that we're going through with someone who we can trust, who is in Christ, who is a mature believer, who is um, able to, you know, speak God's truth to us in a compassionate and winsome way. Um, because if we're, if, if we feel like we can pick ourselves by, by our bootstraps and just, um, you know, minister to our own hearts in our own strength, it's an incomplete consolation, right? I mean, we're meant to be in the body of Christ. And so I think primarily because in that time, my cognitive abilities, and when I say that, I mean, my ability to focus (laughs) was just Mm -hmm. to even read was difficult Mm -hmm. hearing the word of God preached, um, listening to sermons or podcasts that, you know, reminded me of my identity of, of gospel realities, those wonderful facts, like we're talking about, uh, that all is what, what is that? That's ministry of other people pouring into me to remind me yeah. what's true yeah. when my heart is struggling to believe it. Um, and you won't get that from secular, uh, secular, um, what do you call it? 
Um, you won't get that from secular voices, right? Because sure. spiritual things are discerned by the spirit. <laughs> we need yeah. other people in the body of Christ to to walk with us through that. I love that you say these terrible truths have an expiration date, but the yeah. eternal truths do not. That is so key um, to suffering, but to anything, mm-hmm. it's so key. We just, we really are prone to living in the here and now. And that is not ultimately what's true. There is eternal truth that must be laid over these temporary realities. So thank you for reminding us of that truth. I, I so value your heart behind this and just your exhortation to us as believers to be sharing our faith and borrowing our faith, to be reminding each other of what's true and what's beautiful and who our God is. And just rehearsing that for the brother or sister who's having trouble believing it in that moment. And, um, and then humbling ourselves and asking somebody to rehearse it to us when we can't we can't say it to ourselves. Um, and that kind of brings me to this, this is sort of the, another question that you posed to the reader in the introduction and something that I feel like I bump up against all the time in ministry. And that is just this tension. You know, the question that you pose is, are these struggles spiritual or physical in nature? But even, you know, going back to what you said just a couple of minutes ago, you know, we, we have the Bible and we think it's helpful for so many things, but then I feel like we come into this realm of mental health and there's this weird, like automatic, like, well, the Bible doesn't, isn't helpful for that. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the Bible's helpful up to a point, but there's, you know, it's got limitations or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that this whole thing is just so incredibly nuanced. We could talk for hours (laughs) about this question alone. And I know that's not the goal of your book, but it's something that, um, comes up so often, at Mm -hmm. least, you know, in my context where I'm interacting with this whole, you know, body of Christ in our local church. And it's like, well, do we approach this person's situation with scripture or do we send them to the psychiatrist and, um, make sure they're going to receive medication for what's going on and, Mm -hmm. or is one better than the other, or should we solely pursue the left path or the right path? Um, so I know I've just thrown out a huge ball of wax, but can you just speak to that a little bit? How, how should we be thinking about all of that? Yeah, well, I, it is a great question. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things we need to be discerning and mindful of um, as believers uh, in this particular conversation is to avoid the temptation to oversimplify Um, I really like and have learned and benefited greatly from a man named David Powelson. Um, He was one of the um, early leaders in the biblical counseling movement, and he has a diagram of nested circles that I kind of echo in a very broad sense in the mini book, but I want to share it with your listeners because I think it's helpful for this question. But he says, you know, um, in terms of identifying the how complex we are as humans, right? Because to say, are these spiritual issues or are, are these physical issues is a very simplistic approach to the conversation. So I want to just broaden our scope a bit. Now we have the human heart, right? We're, we're souls, you know, when we know when we go to Genesis and God made man, he created Adam from the dust and then he breathed his breath of life into Adam. And that, you know, so we were dust, we're material, and then we're God, you know, God's breath, that that divine um, spirit. So we are both. We are um, souls 
who are embodied. So we're physically embodied. So not only do we have the human heart, which the Bible teaches is the seat of our emotional life, our thought life, our will, our actions, our behavior. So again, going back to that definition of mental disorder that we reference, now we start to see, you know, the Bible would would suggest that at the core, these are heart, these are experiences of a heart responding to the world right? Um, So that heart is physically embodied. And the interplay between our heart or our soul, or sometimes even the Bible would say our mind, so those terms are sometimes used interchangeably in talking about the human soul or spirit, um, is in a physical body. And that physical body is constantly decaying, malfunctioning, putting pressures on the heart, you know, in various different ways. And we need to be mindful of that. But not only that, our embodied spirits are then socially embedded. We have relationships that are messy, past um, exchanges with people that have been hurtful. Um, you know, and I know in, in my own house, you know, trying to navigate elements of messy relationships and, and um, rejection. You know, sometimes people have abuse in their past. And so um, there's culture and financial crisis and all these things that also contributes to the pressures, right, of our bodies and also the temptations and the pressures we experience in our heart, right, and the heart that is constantly responding to these outward stimuli or or circumstances. But then even in that, Jen, we're spiritually embattled. In all of this stuff that's going on, right, Satan is at work, right? Mm, I mean, he he is influencing and deceiving and lying and murdering, and um, so we have all this to consider, and all this is happening within the realm of God's providence, who is, and He is good, wise, and in sovereign control. And we don't know how all the pieces are going to work out, but He says, "Trust me, I know where I'm going with this." And that, in and of itself, is sometimes even hard to yield to. So I just offer that because I want to caution the reader or the listener against a super simplistic approach to these types of issues. We Mm -hmm. are complex. Our problems are nuanced. Labels can tempt us to oversimplify what's Mm -hmm. taking place in our experiences. So what's helpful and what has been helpful to me when you get a label such as bipolar disorder too, is to say, okay, well, I I see what you're saying about this, but I want to get down to the experience level. What are the specific things I'm struggling with? Sorrow, Despair, hopelessness, sometimes selfish ambition, pride in thinking that I can stay up at all hours of the night and do whatever it is that I want. Um, I'm I'm sharing just personal, personal experience, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we have, we boil these things down and now all of a sudden we're not looking in the Bible for labels. We're looking in the Bible for descriptions of the human experience Mm -hmm. to which the Bible speaks richly Mm -hmm. to. And so um, Ed Welch in his book on depression would um, makes a comment and he says that sometimes there are situations where physical care is necessary and helpful, but regardless of whether or not there is a physical contributing factor, there is always a spiritual factor to consider. We are always Mm. living life before God. And so there's never a time as Christians or even as unbelievers where that we will not benefit from getting soul care. And I'm not a doctor. I don't know if I already said that or not. (laughs) You could probably tell by the way I talk. I'm not a doctor. I I would never suggest, you know, that somebody um, 
do or don't take a medication. And, and like, you know, you said that tension of does this person need psychiatric care um, or does this person, you know, really just need to be discipled? Um, and that's going to take discernment, but it's also going to take your time. It's going to take sitting down and talking with someone um, who likely has not had anyone ask them what's wrong, what's mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. how has this, you know, impacted um, the way you view your view, your, you view God right now? How, how is your relationship with Christ right now? Where are you struggling with doubts or fears? Um, you know, these are questions that you can't get answers to at a psychiatrist's office because they don't speak that language. Um, and so, you know, are there times when it is, um, you know, prudent for someone to go get a physical exam to rule out any potential physical contributing factors that, that may be able to be screened on a, a test or, or whatnot? Of course. We don't see in the scriptures somewhere that says just completely neglect your body. We see a call right. to just be st- good stewards of our body. And when it is mm. within our power to to do something that is beneficial um, for us and to alleviate suffering if it is is wise then and God-honoring, then we have that freedom um, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. But but it is important to just remember the complexity, the nuance that we don't paint with broad brushstrokes, even though medical labels do tend to kind of categorize in, yeah. in very broad brushstrokes and, and tend to treat people with, you know, I say in the book with, you know, treatment plans um, that are are what work in general audiences and may not be specific to your needs, to where you're at, the problems you're having, the community you live in, the social context you, you're, you're experiencing, this spiritual warfare that we cannot see, but is, you know, unique and relevant to all of our lives. There's so much more to be said and so much that God's word speaks to our hearts about that, mm. that, secular interventions cannot touch with a 10 foot pole because they don't see all of those realities, um, at play. And so, uh, this is a huge conversation. What I would do if you are interested in hearing from someone much more eloquent and, and trained, um, than I am, I would like to just recommend a book on this conversation by Michael Emlett. He is with CCEF, which is the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. His book is called Descriptions and Prescriptions, A Biblical Perspective on Psychiatric Diagnoses and Medications. Excellent book. Exactly goes into much more detail what we're talking about. Um, And so I would commend that book to your listeners for continuing on and just learning about how how do we we even begin to um, assess these types of things from a biblical perspective. A framework because um, yeah. it's it's a, it's a needed conversation, but it takes effort, right? We have to want to try instead of just outsource. That's so good. <laughs> instead of just outsource. yeah, I appreciate you know you just keep reminding us that we are complex, and that's so true. We want everything to be simple. We want a um, you know three easy steps to being healthy by tomorrow morning. Um, but as you say, we are complex, and we are both spiritual and physical. We are embodied souls, and so I appreciate just the grace that you're injecting here to say, you know, would it be beneficial to get help over here, or over here, or over here? Yes, to all of the above. But also, you will always benefit from soul care, and so to not neglect the soul and to not neglect the spiritual, um, the regiment of spiritual help as well, and and that it's going to take time. Right. And that leads me into um, probably our last question in terms of time. Um, I was like stopped cold in my tracks when I read 
um, one, a, a phrase in your book, idolizing relief, uh, because I felt like, oh man, Christine's calling me out. I absolutely idolize relief at times. I mean, I want to pop an Advil anytime I might think a headache is coming on. I want to feel relief before suffering even starts. And so, um, can you just speak to us about that, that sort of fix it fast mentality that we have and that sprint that we'd rather run before tomorrow than maybe the marathon that is going to be required by our situation. How ought Christians be thinking about that? Yeah, well, I want to, you know, even just preface this part of the conversation with just letting the listener know that it's understandable. (laughs) It's understandable um, that what you're experiencing or your loved one, if this is not your own personal struggle, is likely completely disrupting everyday life. And so it's understandable um, that we would want to try to fix that, you know, to get rid of that problem as soon as possible, because I want to acknowledge the pain. And I want to acknowledge that it is an experience of suffering. I want to acknowledge that chances are, if you knew what it was that was going on, you know, you do everything in your power to just flip a switch and have it go away. I get Mm. that. And so I don't want to um, have anyone feel um, condemned because maybe that's where they find themselves. I think that's a human, a human tendency to want to escape and flee from pain, you know, and I believe it's because we weren't designed. We weren't designed for bearing this. When God created us and created the world, he didn't create it with decay and disease or the world's term, you know, maybe disordered. You know, he didn't make us for this, right? And so here we are on the other side of the curse, and now we're having we're, we're rap- grappling with the effects of the fall, and it's hard. So I just I wanted to say that first. Um, but, but having said that, like any issue that we're uh, trouble, trial, affliction, whether it's a, a medical affliction or, or otherwise, it is possible for us to worship being fixed or recovered or healed more than God himself. And that was something uh, really when I was in the hospital for this particular diagnosis, this was something that came to the forefront for me that I had um, idolized being depression free. I had idolized um, the notion that I could achieve within myself some level of emotional prosperity if I would just do X, Y, Z. And you know what? Those X, Y, Z things were Christian things. <laughs> you know, they were Christian disciplines um, and being in the scriptures. And and I'm not saying don't do that. Please don't hear me say that. But I am saying is that motive matters. And so when we approach our relationship with Christ um, in a way that that motive is, you know, what I want to try to use the scriptures and, and use God to achieve my own ends. That's dangerous ground. Mm -hmm. And it will ultimately lead us to further despair and hopelessness because that's not it, right? We know when God's word tells us that God is achieving his ends in us through our suffering. And so that mindset um, of of recognizing that I had wanted healing more than the healer, yeah, wow, was a hard pill to swallow. But I, yeah. but it's like that bitter medicine. It mm-hmm. doesn't taste good when you when you have it, 
But mm-hmm. after it gets in there and starts doing what it's supposed to do, you start to feel better. And I'm not oversimplifying when I say that this was transform. This was life transforming for me because mm-hmm. it meant that I didn't have to be depression free in order to uh, partner with the work partner with the Holy Spirit in the work that God wanted to do in my life. Um, And so what I found um, through uh, the reading that I was doing, and I talk a bit more about it in the mini book, um, was that God has made me, even in my suffering, even in my sorrow, even in the problems I'm experiencing that the world would classify as disordered, right? God has made me to reflect his glory, And that's something that in the moment, in a problematic moment, when I'm tempted to despair, like I can't necessarily pull myself out of that pit, right? Um, But I can look around and see what is the one next right thing I can do that would reflect Mm -hmm. God's glory in this situation. And sometimes I make the case in the book that for most of us in the midst of what it is that we're experiencing, it's going to look like I can come to God with this emotion, I can come to God with this thought because we, as we obey God, we, we, we bring him glory, right? Like we are, we, we bear fruit, the fruit of faith that comes and says, God, I have this problem and I don't know what to do with it. And I need your help. Like that's a posture of humility. It's a posture of knowing that God is the one that we come to, to take refuge and that we lament to, we don't turn to uh, alcohol or drugs or some other form of escapism with our problems. We turn to the living God who says, come, Mm -hmm right? It's his invitation. Come, come and rest. Come and take refuge in me. Come and see, you know, come and listen to and hear how I view you today, you know, and in this moment, because I loved you, child, when you were my enemy, I sent my son to die for you. How much more then do I love you now? And even in the midst of your struggle and your, in, in the wrestling that you have with disbelief or fear or whatever it might be. And so um, I talk a lot more in the book about what that would look like in a, in a practical way. But when we recognize that we have idolized relief, you know, um, I think that that is a turning point um, and it, it will cause us to you know, it will lead us to repentance. It will lead us to um, asking the Lord um, for help and say, Lord, I know that I have made this my primary goal for getting out of bed in the morning is to figure out how to make this problem go away, how to fix myself. Lord, humble, humble me and help me to make my first goal of the day to be what's the next right thing I can do that honors my God, you know? Mm. Um, and it may look like for some of us taking a shower, that we haven't yeah. showered in days. You know, it may look like for some of us making breakfast for our, our child or our spouse or someone. Um, just small, small things um, that we can do moment by moment instead of thinking that I've got to tackle this all in one day, which is impossible. Um, yeah. Just small little moments and breaking it down and constantly, you know, engaging God in our experience. And I talk about that in the book. So I, I know like all of these questions, I feel like we could talk about for hours. <laughs> we could, we could do you a know, whole year of yeah, podcast at least on all because it's totally a deep, could. deep well. Yeah, um, for sure. But what I really value from this conversation, Christine, that you have nourished us with is just, again, to use your phrase, 
stabilizing biblical truths. And you've just reminded us of what God is like and what we are like and our need for him and his goodness to meet us in everything. And that we are not defined by these things. We are defined by him as his children. And I feel like you've just spoken a lot of hope to all of us. Um, and hope is what we hope and help (laughs) your podcast title. Um, you've given us just a lot of hope when we are going to be, um, prone to despairing and feeling like this is forever. You've reminded us of who we are in Christ. And I really, really appreciate this nourishing conversation. I know it's going to serve many in the church. Um, where can people keep up with you, Christine, since we've barely, we've just dipped our toe in the water and there's so much more to glean from you. Where can people keep up with you and find your resources? Yeah, well, specific to this mini book, you can go to Christine M, as in Michelle, chapel, two P's, two L's, dot com forward slash help. Um, so Christine M chapel.com is my website, but when you add forward slash help, that gets you mm-hmm. to the direct page that has information on this mini book. It also has podcast and, um, podcast links for conversations I've had on, um, various labels such as bipolar disorder, PTSD, panic attacks, eating disorders. I have conversations with authors, biblical counselors who have resources on these topics. And so that's my goal is to try to equip people um, on their journey um, for that type of care. But then too, on this page, I have listed all of the various podcast interviews like like this one, when it comes out, mm-hmm. that I've done. So if you are interested um, in hearing more, uh, if you haven't gotten tired of me talking yet, you can go listen to those as well. But that's just basically like the resource page for this particular topic. And then also I'm on Facebook and Insta- Instagram and Twitter. And I have a weekly email that I send out uh, that each week has rotating topics, but I um, share you know, what's new on the podcast, what's new in my writing ministry, and also relevant links to resources that I recommend, um, you know, depending on you know, whatever's going on or the topic I'm focusing on that week. So lots yeah. of free resources. Yeah. Um, and then I'd also- That email real- sounds helpful. Yeah. And also just a quick plug too for the IBCD, the organization I work with. If you go to ibcd.org, um, you can access uh, their free audio resources. They have hundreds of audios that you can stream at any time, organized by topic, um, that dive much more deeply into all kinds of problems, life's challenging problems there on the website. It's all for free. It's incredible. I've listened to so many of them and they have been so personally helpful. Um, and so I just want to commend those, that to your listeners too, as an extra resource, because it's free, it's available, easy to access and, um, and helpful in, in growing in our knowledge of the Lord and also our understanding of how to, um, to uh, how the gospel intersects with the various problems that we face um, and how to care for one another well in the context of those particular problems. That's so good. I love that those resources are online and free and available yeah. right now because right. how often in ministry does somebody text us, call us in a panic? I just found this out. Where do I go? Tell me a counselor and people mm-hmm. want to be able to, you know, start working on whatever it is. They right. want those resources right now. Right. And usually that's not realistic, but the fact that these are online and available for free, I love having that resource to point people to. So I will link all of that in the show notes so the listeners can go there and just easily find them. And Christine, I just want to thank you for stewarding your life for God's glory and for serving the church. And thanks for being on this podcast as well. Thank you so much for all you do uh, in your ministry, Jen. I, I appreciate it and I'm just grateful to God for your faithfulness um, to encourage and equip his people. 
Well, thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.